0: Come with open hearts, and the word will impact us in the name of Jesus. At this point, also, we want to recognize those that um, are joining online, and uh, we declare that God sees you and He will meet you as well, and you'll be impacted as well in the name of Jesus. Um, it's a privilege and honor and a big shoes to fill tonight to be here when Pastor is not around. Um, we've been studying the books of um, Proverbs, and tonight we are going to chapter 10. I think we're in part nine, if I'm correct, um, of, of our studies. Um, as usual, as Pastor does, before we start, um, we're going to take some proverbs. Do people have proverbs that they want to share? And we start with that. I have a proverb that I want to share. And please raise up your hand, and the ushers will give you a mic. I have a proverb I want to share. Are we running out of proverbs? We can't. Oh,
1: okay, choir. Yes, thank you. Okay, the proverb is in Igbo. It said, um, That means um, that um, a hen or cock cannot actually stretch its both, its both legs together. So you have to stretch them one after the other. So it just simply means... Um, one step at a time. You don't rush in with things.
0: Thank you very much, Bumin. God bless. Yes, let's clap for God. Let's clap for her. Yes, it's true. Because when, you, when she just said dinner, I realized that when you see a cock, when they want to yawn, they raise up one leg like this, and then I think one arm as well. So you can't, you have to take a step, one step at a time. Fantastic. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, two people. Yeah, go ahead. That's okay.
2: I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first one it says is in Yoruba. It says mm-hmm. and uh, it means um, this long pole, this long pole or this long uh, tree branch. Don't it mean high? Stick into my eye, yes. It doesn't get into my eyes. Meaning that you dodge it from afar. So meaning that what you see that is coming at you, it you have to be prepared to be ready. You have to be ready to take, don't wait for it to eat you. You know it's coming, it's coming. Don't wait for it to eat you before you dodge it or before you escape.
0: Thank you, Pastor K. And that's true. In fact, there's a parallel to that in Yoruba that says that um, and what that simply means is that a wise cripple will not be killed by war. Meaning that when the cripple that is wise understands that war is coming ahead of time, he or she begins to make, you know, pace, begins to prepare to leave city. So because he or she knows that he won't be able to run as fast, it's the same thing as what Pastor K just said. All right. Um, yes, ma'am.
1: So um, this one says, baje," As in, um, if he's taking you... Okay, somebody who has taken such a long time to eat then you should eat something really special. Somebody wouldn't, wouldn't get food quickly or something. Eventually, when the person gets something to eat, you should eat something special. So, so it means, well, if you have waited for so long to get this thing, whatever it is that you are waiting for, if it has taken you this long to get it done, or then you should, then you should get the best, the best of it.
0: Amen, hallelujah. Yes, are you saying something? <laughs> so, it just the same way they say that a patient dog does what eats the fattest bone. You know, it's the same thing. They say that. In fact, there's another one in Yoruba that says that um, you know, what that simply means, I mean, literally is that if I'm going to eat a frog, I'd rather eat one that has an egg in it. That would be delicious. So, meaning that if I'm going to wait, I'll wait this long. Okay, one more and then we'll go. Thank you.
1: Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mine is in circle He said, Go <laughs>
0: ahead.
1: It means if you call your broom a bad broom, people will use it to sweep the back of their houses. It's the way you carry yourself. That's how people will receive you.
0: Hallelujah. That's that's, that's correct. Yes. Let's be right of close. Yes. And that simply means that it's the way you, you treat your things that people will, will treat it for you. So tonight we, we have an open question, but before I go to that question, um, the Bible says that we should not be the only the, the, the hearer of the word, but we should be the doer of the word as well. And um, since the beginning of the year, just as usual, at all times, we've been had, having a lot of impartation, both um, during Sunday service and Thrive. And... Um, so that question pertains to that, but before we go to that question, I want to be sure that, well, I, I know we are, but I just want to, you know, just to emphasize it. So Pastor taught five channels of wisdom, and I want us to go through that channel, to talk through that channel, not, not, to, not to repeat, not to, to study it, but what are the five channels of wisdom that Pastor taught at the beginning of this session? Anybody? Now, if you raise up your hand, I want you to, to say the five. I don't want two, one. Anybody that can see the five, the five channels of wisdom that Pastor taught at the beginning of this session. Pastor is watching, so if you can't see it, <laughs> and I'm sure our notes are not here. All right, Ma. Oh, you have your notes here, Ma. Your past notes. You have your past notes. Are you watching from your notes? Are you taking from your notes? Okay, all right, Ma. Go ahead. Um.
1: Revelation, instruction, contemplation, um, books.
0: mm, The last one, impartation. (laughs) So, people, we need to. We need to. um, When we do studies, we need to go over it again, and that's why we have folders, and that's why we have files. So, we need to go over it what 's contemplation what 's impartation what 's book what 's inspiration what 's revolution? So we need to go over it again because that 's the only way that we can live the life now back to our question of today which was what I mentioned before that we 've done a lot we 've we've had a lot of impartation both on, by tri, during tribe and Sunday services so the question is and it 's a testimony so the you know, pastor thought about, you know, where I deny. So this is a testimony. It might not be that God healed me, God did this for me, but this is a testimony of the fact that this is what I've learned, and this is how I apply it. So, since the beginning of the year, it doesn't matter if it's strive on Sunday, I want us to share what have we learned in church that we think we have applied. And if we can give you a practical example. I have one. It's a big of a long story. Depending on how we do, I might share it, or I try and paraphrase it. So, since beginning of the year, what I've learned during Sunday service or what I've learned in tribe, this is how I've applied it and this is the result I have or this is what I'm doing. Anybody? This one I'm going to have to call my friends, the pastors, the ministers, because, uh, and everybody else that I know. Anybody? This is something that I've learned on Sunday that pastor taught and this is what I've applied. Yes, go ahead, Ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
1: Um, during the prophesy series, um, the first week, we were taught how to prophesy concerning any situation. So we we have a few things we are trusting God for. And there are things that if God doesn't come through, you will have a heart attack. And we began to prophesy at midnight. You know, so when I think of those things, I just begin to prophesy. Yes, the, you know, if a voice of fear would be at the back of my heart my mind because there are things that, like I said, if God doesn't do it, nobody can do it. And to God be the glory, out of about six of them, God has done four already, you know? And I can tell you that it is not by money or anything. God has already done, and it's only match. We are just in match. praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we begin to speak over, when we remember them, anytime, we just... If somebody is not believing it, the other person will agree that you counter it with a prophecy. So, every time we are prophesying.
0: Hallelujah. Yeah, let's go to the round of applause. And that's the way it's supposed to be because, you know, we have been told prophesy. I mean, this, for example, this month, pastor says traction. So, once you remember that, there are areas that, oh, things are not really moving well, and you begin to prophesy traction into that area. Anybody else? I need at least two. Yeah, go ahead, man. Pastor Buki? Yes, and at the back. Okay, are you too, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah.
1: So I remember when um, we were taught some weeks ago, and the uh, pastor was using the analogy of um, Jesus breaking the bread and blessing it. So he said the blessing has to do with tithes, and it mentioned the book, The Blessed Life. So I found the book, I read it, and I realized that even though I've been faithfully tithing, but there's something I hadn't been doing, and that is coming, bringing it with an heart of, with a heart of gratitude. I was doing it out of duty, like, okay, I've done. So, so from then, I actually repented, and the next time I was coming, I was coming as a loyal subject and saying, thank you, because you have done this, you've done that, and I actually have seen a difference in my inflow because of that.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah, let's clap for God. I hope you all heard what she said. Did we all hear what she said? Okay, because I'm tempted to repeat it, so I want to be sure that we heard it, because that's powerful. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. I thought we had somebody at the back. Okay, Pastor Kay, go ahead. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.
2: Um, it was during the... Um, when he was sharing on the multiply, and um, one of the things he said was that we have to organize before we can multiply. Uh, further down, uh, he shared with us. He said, "We have to settle our debts and leave leave off the rest." You know, at that point in time, uh, I had some debts that I was servicing and managing, and I was at a critical point of decision making with respect to do I meet these obligations in, on the debt uh, repayment, or I because it's going to have some dents in my working capital for my business. And I was like contemplating should I, should I not, should I not, should I not? Then he talked about settle your debt, leave off the rest as one of the principles of multiplication. So I just closed my eyes and said, look, let me pay off as agreed. And I did that. And between now then and now, there's been as in working capital had come from place I did not even expect. As in miraculously. You know, so it's the 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 negative impact I felt it was going to have on my business did not even show up. Praise God.
0: Hallelujah. Yes. Thank, thank God for that. Anybody else? Before we proceed, just one more person, if you want to share. Alright. And one of the reasons why I said we should do this tonight is that to encourage other people, and honestly, all, those te- all these testimonies, I will encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, to actually share it to the larger Church, because it's a testimony of the fact that the Word of God is yea, and it comes to pass, and it's true in our life, and we continue to be ever true in the name of Jesus. I'll try and share mine quickly. Very, very, I'll try and paraphrase it, because it's a long story, but I'll paraphrase it. This year has been a very, very... It's a roller coaster for me. Extremely busy at work. Had some extreme difficult personal issues. Had some, I mean, difficult things. So, um, one of the strengths I thought I had before, but I've, I seem to see it as a weakness, is that I like to hold people accountable in the sense that if I'm... If I'm responsible for you in any way or shape or form, I try as much as possible to provide guidance, both you know by by understanding and wisdom or by a revelation. And if the individual refuses to follow it, then I just if anything goes by, I just turn my back. That okay, you need to face the consequences of your own action, you know. And I used to see that as a strength, but apparently it's a it's a what's it called? It's more like a weakness. So somehow so, um, there was a particular incident that you know, happened, and Pastor got to know about it. And my wife was on the same position that, look, you should not hold people to accountable like that at all. And I was holding this individual accountable. And Pastor made the comment and said, um, I, do you think that's mean? And when he said that, I felt, you know, I felt to be, I mean, I really felt disturbed. That Okay, so is said that he believed what what he has said, or, he, I, I mean, he, I was actually mean. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to make amends and all that. And then before you know it, shortly was when we had the workers' um, the, the workers summit and honestly if you are here if you're not a worker i need you to go and listen to that 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 teaching you just need to go and listen to that teaching and when 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 we had that teaching one of us some of most of us committed to be a broken person meaning that you know you're gonna leave behind it's not about you anymore it's about god and for you to be broken you really have, I mean, that's the lowest, the highest level of humility. So I took that commitment that day, and I said, well... So I thought to myself, what's the easiest and the simplest way to actually be able to live that life? And one of the easiest for me was the fact that I used to do a lot of road quarrel. You can never get in front of me if you are shunting. So I made up my mind that day that if 10 people are going to shunt, I'm going to let them go. That's how to, to really show that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm down. No, I'm not, I haven't gotten there, yet, so I said I was going to do that. And then... So, busy, all kind of things going on. I, I wanted to travel on the Friday. The reason I'm telling you all this is that so you understand the background. I was going to travel on the Friday, and my wife and I got into the car at 7 o'clock in the morning with one of the pastors in church. We were going for an event. And by four hours later, we hadn't gotten to redeem. So, we decided to turn back because I had a, I had a 4 o'clock appointment that I needed to meet. I was making presentation to senior, very senior people out of, um, out of Nigeria. So, we turned back. We went to the office, did that work. And same evening, I came to 9 Vigil. So, imagine how, how tired I was. And now, in one of those principles, somebody sent me an email, a junior person copied two levels above him, like my equivalent, and I and the email was, was a bit disrespecting. Normally, I would have responded in a way that would really hurt him. So I decided that I drafted my response. That, But when I come back from 9-Vigil, I will respond to it. So that, that way, I mean, that's one of the things I was learning. So I got back from 9-Vigil at 3.15, got home, stayed on that, on work till about 4, 4, 4, 4 a.m. in the morning. And Pastor sent Pastor K and I an assignment you know, the following morning. So I slept about 4 o'clock. By 7, I was up. And we went for that. We went, went to a visitation in the morning. And by about 10.30, I was going back home. So I said, let me run an errand. Went just to pay DSTV, you know. And on my way back, at the toll, three lights just went off. And then all of us were trying to struggle into just two lines, I mean, a few lines. So this guy behind me, I was already ahead of him. He was behind me. And he kept on banging my car, like something like a metal. At that time, I didn't know... It wasn't a big iron. It was his ring. And I didn't want to come down. So I came down. I told him that, why are you, gently, why are you banging my car? And he was just ranting and all that. And then I told him that, you know, if I block you, I'll stay here and you won't go anywhere. So stop banging my car. And I went back into my car. I said it gently. And the next movement we had, here was a big scratch. And I came down. I was, I was really upset internally, but I just felt, hmm, what did I promise? That I would not do this again. But, but the biggest part was that this guy came down and, came to push me physically and i told him i said it's inappropriate and god will forgive you and i drove I, and i drove off so it took a lot of humility it took a lot of strength so that's what i have learned in the last 3 months so so if you see me <laughs> so if you see me not responding to argument or shouting or screaming is a new wave so you need to go and listen to that um that workers workers um, summit so tonight if you look at chapter 1 to 9 of Proverbs, Pastor has taught a lot, and all the other pastors have taught a lot. You see that we, taught, we learned about wisdom, the seven pillars of wisdom. In fact, generally, the Bible was referring to wisdom as a woman, a good woman, and a bad woman, and a harlot. That's the way. But when you get to chapter 10 that we are tonight, you will realize that chapter 10 is like a poem. My wife is into poetry. So he'll talk about one thing, then he'll talk about another thing, talk, say something that is close to it. So let's read the text, please. Proverbs 10. The proverb of a wise child brings joy to a father. A, free child, a foolish child brings grief to a mother. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. The Lord will not let the godly go hungry, but he refuses to satisfy the craving of the wicked. "'Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. "'A wise youth harvest in the summer, "'but one who sleeps during the harvest is a a disgrace. "'The godly are showered with blessings, "'and the words of the wicked conceal violent intention. "'We have happy memories of the godly, "'but the name of of a wicked person rots away. "'The whites are glad to be instructed, "'but babbling foods fall flat on their faces.'" People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. People who wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. The words of the godly are life-giving fountain, and the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. White words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. The wealth of the rich is their fortress, but the poverty of the poor is their destruction. The earnings of the godly enhance their lives, but evil people squander their money on sin. People who accept discipline are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore correction will go astray. Hiding hatred makes you a liar. Slandering others make you a fool. Too much talk leads to sin, be sensible, and keep your mouth shut. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The blessing of the Lord makes a a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pressure to the sensible. The fears of the wicked will be fulfilled. Will be fulfilled. The hopes of the godly will be granted. When the storms of life come, the wicked are wild away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Lazy people irritate their employers like vineyard to the teeth or smoke in the eyes. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short; the hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked of the wicked comes to nothing. The way of the Lord is a strong a stronghold to those with integrity, but it destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. The mouth of the godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speaks perverse words. May God bless truly holy words in the name of Jesus. So if you read that, you realize that no two verses are the same. And every verse is making comparison between what? Between the godly and the fool. Now, if you read the NKJV version, the godly is translated as righteous. That's what the NKJV is. So when you look at this chapter, compared to the rest of the chapter, you realize that, okay, this is totally different. And this continues from here till chapter 22. You can actually, you cannot, you won't be able to actually group all the verses together and say that this is what they are talking about. This continues yeah, up to chapter 22. So, so we're in a different regime of our study tonight. So that's what I just want, I just want to bring up. Now, if you look at that, he was talking about two sets of people. Let's call them the righteous and the godly. Now, one of the greatest gifts that God gave man on earth is the ability to be able to make a choice. You know, we, we, we have choices. Most people that are married here probably have five, ten people that are after them, especially the ladies, but they made a choice and said, this is the guy I'm going to go with. So, and that's, that's their choice. And that same choice, that ability to make choice is the, is, is the, is the most undoing for man, you know, most times. Because Man will choose, and if a man chooses by himself without the approval of God or without seeking God, we make mistakes. The same way in Garden of Eden that you know Eve made a choice to accept what God has said, don't do. So that ability. So so if you look at this, he's saying that one person chooses this. He's saying the godly will choose this, but the fool does that. So he, so we 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 are at liberty and we are given the opportunity to to, to make a choice. So if I need to. If I need to ask um, a a question here, what would you say, when when people make choices, what do they think through? What what, what goes through their mind when they're making choices? You know, when we make our choice, what do we look at? Ideally, before you make make any choice, what you're supposed to do is to say, is to seek, what is God saying? Because here you can see that, he's saying that, you know, this one does that, this one... Does this, and this is the result. If you do this, this is the result. If you do that, so, so this study we're going to do tonight is going to be. You will see as we go along that it's a bit different from all that we have done. So let's go to um, chapter one, and read um, chapter one. I mean, verse one again. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. In the name of. In the name of God Almighty, every man or woman here who desires to have a child, if they have desire, even if they are not married yet, they will be married in the name of Jesus. And they will have their own children in the name of Jesus. So if you look at that, he's saying that, you know, a wise child does what brings joy to a father. And a foolish child brings grief to a mother. Number one, why is he using father for the joy and using mother for for, for the grief? That's the first question. You know, and it's, So wh- why is that comparison? The reason for that comparison is, is, is so easy and it's so simple. If you want to personify emotion or a good emotion, worshipping, whatsoever, you go to the women. It's a given. They represent, you know, any, any emotion you want to really display in full, it comes with the women. You know, it could be, it, I mean, even when they, are, when they are sad or when they are joyful or whatever they are, that's why, I mean, when you look at Christ, who are the people that recognize Christ first? I mean, look at the story of Mary and all that. So that's why he's using that to explain that, look, a child, will, a bad child will bring grief to her mom. Meaning that, you know, it will be so disheartening, if a foolish child will be so disheartening to everybody around. But she's just using, the Bible is just using women, You know, because of the emotion that they bring forth to to explain that. And if you want to go further, he's talking about child and father. You know, you look at it from the biological father, which is great, and spiritual father, like pastor is to everybody. But also, it goes beyond that. If you look at what is the relationship between father and children, basically, a, a father brings forth a child, begins to nurture the child, begins to provide for the child, begins to... To, to bring the child up in the Lord's way. That's, that's what the, the Bible says, right? So that means there's a relationship between father and I mean between parents and their children. And what what's, what's the child supposed to do? The child is supposed to follow the way of the, of the parents and also do the right thing they told the child to do. And so the Bible is saying that if that child does all that, he will bring joy to his parents. But if he doesn't do that, he will bring what? He will bring grief to his parents. Now take it down back home. Pastor Nina is leading the choir. She's providing guidance. She's providing providing leadership. So, if those, she's mentoring them. So, if they don't do the right thing, they are bringing grief. So, it's not about the father, the biological father, the spiritual mother alone. Any relationship that you have, and there's an authority or there's a relationship of, of any mentoring, of any giving, of any taking, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're bringing griefs. That's what that means. So, this, for example, students, when, when you're a child and you're in school, if you do well, your teacher will be happy. If you don't do well, your teacher won't be happy. It's as simple as that. We, I mean, last, about uh, three months ago, my wife is very good at this. She's um, she's following the children, I mean, especially the, the, the their phone. She has access to all the phone, if, I'm sure if they change their password, she find a way to hack it and all that. So she got into my daughter's phone after she, my daughter has gone to school. And she came home She came home three days before mid-term. And when she got home, she got in touch with one of our friends. These chats were on her phone. We are reading this chat out she had left to school. And she said, she, she, they were having a chat, and she told the, she told the friend said, please, the, the assignment that they gave you guys after I left school, please, can you send it to me? I want to do it. And the other student said, well, I don't really want to do my assignment, so I'm not going to send it to you, but only one condition. I'll send it to you. If you allow me to come to your house, you do it, and I'll copy it. And my daughter said, well, I want to be alone during this period. I don't want you to come to my house. Please send it to me. I, 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 I'm not going to take you coming to my house. I just want to be alone. Send it to me. I'll do it, and I'll explain it to you that you can do it. She said no, that she, she just wants to come and copy. So my daughter said, this is what really amuses me. She said, you know what? This assignment, I didn't know when it was given. I have an excuse when I go back to school to tell them that I'm not, um, I didn't know about it, so that's why I didn't do it. But because I'm a, child, I'm a good child and a good student, I'm going to do this homework, whatever it takes. That is what God wants us to do. That even when he's not watching, when he's not watching, we should do what we're supposed to do. If you are, if you, if you are on Instagram on Monday, by the way, if you are not on Instagram, go and join one. I'm not on one now. I'm going to be forced to join one <laughs> because of pastor. So I've been using my wife as one. On Monday, pastor was talking about um, you know cutting cutting corners, and he was he was saying that um, you know when you are not when people are not watching, that's your true character. And really, there's a reputation, there's a character. Character is what you actually do when it was was watching, but reputation is what people perceive. So really, character is much. More. So my daughter was saying that I'll, it's because I'm a good child. That's why I'm going to do this homework. So that's what God expects of us in every relationship that we have between that we have with anyone that we are getting from. That's why the Bible says, "Slave, serve your master as you are doing what you are serving unto the Lord." So that's what that verse one is talking about. Praise the Lord. So the other question I want to ask is, what is the main definition of a fool? in the Bible. You know, the Bible says a fool does this, a fool does that. Fool, those are characters. but I mean, those are characteristics. But what do you think God himself, how did God himself define a fool? You know, do you really want to know? Please go to that um, scriptures. I think it's Luke 12. The one I have there. Okay. Let's listen. This is God. Then, Jesus Christ talking. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produces fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. Then I will have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I will sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God did what? God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Now, who said fool? God. So really, the anybody that is called a fool, the meaning of a fool is when you are self-dependent. Self-dependence is the meaning of a fool. Absolutely. When you say... I, that's, that should be what my first, um, if you can bring it up, my first um, fill in the gap. This, anyone that, I don't name for self-dependence is foolishness. That's another name for self-dependence. So when you wake up and you say, I, you know, you hear people say, I'm a self-made man. You know, I did all this by myself. I, that's foolishness. So you, can, you can't, any other things are just additional characteristics. The, that's why the Bible says the fear of God is what? The beginning of wisdom. So, which is opposite of what? Opposite of foolishness. So you can say that the fear of God is beginning of the wisdom. So meaning that when you when you are self-dependent, is far is the ultimate end of foolishness. So that's what God is saying. So when we refer to a fool, just put it behind your mind that if I do anything and I'm trying to do it by myself and I'm saying I'm the one in charge, that's when we say that's that's what God, that's what the Bible refers to as a as a fool. Praise the Lord. I want to ask a question before we go into our next set of verses. The question is, if you hear the word wickedness, please bring the mic around. I need one or two people to answer. When you hear the word wickedness, what is the opposite of wickedness? When you hear the word wickedness, anybody? It's not a test. It's not, it's not, we're, not, we're not testing ourselves. It's not, it's just, we just want to understand. Anybody, when you hear the word wickedness, what is the opposite of wickedness? Anybody? Come on. Okay, please give it to her. Kindness. Kindness. Thank you very much. Kindness. Anybody else? Wickedness. Come on. I mean, if somebody is wicked. Please, yes. I can see a hand there. Goodness. Goodness. Okay? Anybody else? Goldiness. Thank you very much. All right. So... um, if you look at it really from the Bible, the opposite of wickedness is righteousness. Is it like you are righteous or you are wicked? I didn't say it. I'm sure it's, that looks heavy and looks big. We're going to see it. So godliness is the same thing as um, righteousness. When you go to NKJV, all the places that the Bible was saying godly, it was talking about rash, I mean righteous. So the opposite of wickedness is righteousness. See that you are righteous or you are wicked. We're going to see it in the Bible. So please bring up the verses from um, verse two, two to three, six to seven, and eleven. Treasures, of, okay, fantastic. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness deliver from death. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he cast away the desire of the wicked. Keep going. I mean, there are several verses that I put together. No? You just put up verse 2. Can you go to, I said 2 to 3, then 6 to 7? Okay. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. And I think, okay. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but the violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Now, That's the Bible, right? So what is it comparing wickedness with? So righteousness, the opposite of righteousness is what? Is what? Wickedness. So is it that we are righteous or we are wicked? I didn't write that. That's, that's, I mean, that's what is in the Bible. So now the question is, what is righteousness? Now tonight I'm going to talk about righteousness, maybe for about two minutes. Um, When we were in school, I don't know if they still do that now, there's something they call... um, Pre-degree, I mean pre-degree. Pre-degree means, generally people say, oh, 101. We're not doing 101 tonight. We're doing pre-101. So when I, was in, when, when, I was, when I went to university and college, people will do one year before they enter university, so it's called pre-degree. So the righteousness, the ratio, righteousness that we're going, to, we're going to talk about tonight is, is pre-degree. So this coping, please put it up, the, the, the meaning of righteousness in, in, um, in, 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 in Greek, the calcium, simply means, if you go through the Old Testament, Testament it simply means that God has a, is a covenantal relationship between God and his people. You know, between God and his people and the expectations that come with it. That is what, that's, that's simple translation. And that's why you see in the Old Testament that God will always say, you know, they will, they will sacrifice just to bring people back to where they are. But if you if you go to every everyday Greek, how they use that word, which is like diak, it means that just and justify. That's, that's, that's what it means. That is, that's you know, to be just and right. So, righteousness just means to be just and right. Our, our righteousness is in the holiness of Christ. We have nothing to do with it. It's a free gift that was given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary. So, our, our, our righteousness is the holiness of Christ. So, it's not something that we, we, we end. It's not something that we work for, but it's something that we need to live in. So that's, that's about righteousness. So when the Bible says that, so, and, and if you look at all those verses, it was saying the wicked will be this, the righteous will be that. So is it that we are righteous or is it that we are wicked? So we have to make a choice. And so what I've just done is just give you, as I said, a degree of righteousness. But the question I have tonight is, what is the main thing that God desires of us, that God says, if you want to be righteous, we should do this? What's the main thing that God, God said by himself? that, and you see it across the Bible, that if you want to be, what main action is required? Anybody? I need one or two people. Anybody? What's the main thing that God says that if you want to be righteous, we should do? Does anybody know? Quickly. Any hand? Okay, sir. Obedience. Please, let's give God a round of applause. Let's give him a round of applause. Obedience. So, can you bring up, can you bring up those two scriptures? This 6 and the second one as well. I need to see what I want. So, the Bible says, For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands that the Lord our God has given to us. That has, once, once, once you obey, once you, you have obedience, you'll be righteous. Please, go to the second one. What's the second one? Um, Genesis. Genesis 15. Genesis and, and Abraham believed God, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So the only thing God wants from us to be righteous and not to be wicked is to be obedient. But I tell you something, that's one of the biggest things to do in any relationship. Between man between man to man and even man to God. If men were obedient, Garden of Eden would still be contained in all of us today. So, and that's how difficult, well, I won't say it's difficult, but if, that goes back to what I said in the beginning that the ability, that choice, that ability to make a choice, that's, where, that's why we, we, we choose to be disobedient. That's the only thing that God wants from us to be, to be obedient. Now, the question is, what are the reasons, what are the things that makes it difficult for us to be obedient? Anybody? Because we're going to fill out that I just put four there. It's not. It's not. I mean, probably there are much more than four. What are the things that with? What are the? I mean, what are the reasons that makes it that would make us to struggle with obedience? Anybody? Yes, sir. At the back. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um,
2: one of the things I'll say is the choice you mentioned. If we don't have a choice we will definitely follow and obey what god has said to us directly we won't have any other thing to do than to obey but since we have a choice we feel we know what is best for us than what another person god wants for us we feel we can see almost see the end of what we want for ourselves and we can't even see the beginning of what god wants for us so i believe the choice that we have is actually not really a blessing but i don't know how to place it
0: okay all right thank you because we have the ability to make a choice and that's true you know anybody else what i mean but that, yes, yes 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 choir please there, there, are, there, are, there, are, there are a lot of reasons and pastor Bissola there as well please take the mic there there are a lot of reasons so we should be able to come up with okay it. logic is one i say logic. Logic. Yeah. So, meaning that, you know, um, for us to be, able, like, we, we think we know it. So, we, we, we're going we're gonna to reason it out with God that, well, okay. because, I mean, yeah, you're telling to do doesn't make sense. Mm. And you can tie that to, 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 to believe, to faith, okay. to say, you know, un- unbelief that, you know, I don't really agree with that. Thank you for that. So, I have my book, I have my notes for, for, to say, like, logic would be unbelief. All right? Anyone? Trust. Trust, yes, so it's when same you with don't faith. Totally trust yeah, in God. same yes. with faith, ability yes. to trust God. Anybody else? Uh, two came to my mind. One is pride, fantastic. That's yeah. one, of, one of the ones in my note. Pride, and can you so when we're talking of thank you, sir? When you're talking of pride, you remember the story of Neymar. pastor. I mean, I think it was um, Pastor Nkoyi that came here when she was, was teaching, talking about Neymar. pastor. I used that example before, Neymar... Was, was proud that. why should he number one I got to his house he didn't come out to see me and number two he's telling me to go to that river with all the rivers that are around here why do you have to go to that one that is far pride it's a big deal that's why we're disobedient to people around us that we're supposed to, to submit to or to God anybody else yes Yes,
1: ma'am
0: impatience we can't wait Okay, I don't have that in my notes but we can't wait One of the ones I have in my notes is conflict. You know, when you are conflicted, and I'm sure that sounds big, and I'll explain it. Do we all know the story of Jonah? Right? God told Jonah to go tell people of Nevev uh, Nevev to to do what? To to talk to them and all that, right? Do we know why he didn't go? Does anyone know why he didn't go? Because they are his enemies. And God says that, go and tell them to repent. Because if they don't repent, I'm going to kill them. And they are his enemies. So what does he want? He wants them dead. So he's conflicted. He's conflicted. I went, God, you can't kill them. They are my enemies. So, so he refused to. So that's one of the reasons that we, dis, we, we disobey. In fact, it's a major reason, even in modern day life. Because God will tell you to do something that you think is in conflict with, that, that has to do with you. Conflict is a big part of it. He refused to go. And we know the story. The only reason he didn't go was because he's conflicted. They were, his, um, they were his enemies. Why should he go and bless his enemies? If God wants to kill them, that's good for him. That's the way he reasoned as a man. So conflict is one of them, and the other thing I have, um, I have is fear. You know, because God can tell you to do something that, if you look at it from your own eye, you will, you will be wondering. You know, how is this going to happen? And when we started. One of the programs, you know, our national, one of our national programs that we talked, somebody talked about, and Pastor explained it, was that, you know, what an elder can see sitting down, a child cannot see it sitting on a tree. Now, that's comparing human to human. So, compared to God, what God can see, who can see ahead of you, is making, giving you an instruction, telling you to go forth, and you are questioning it, you know, and you are fearful. But really, if somebody that has all the power under the heaven and earth tells you to go forward, what is it that we are afraid of? That's the question. What is that afraid of? So, you know, we, went, we, we, we started from comparing the righteous to the foolish. So, God will not make us foolish in the name of Jesus. And we went to, you know, God wants us to be righteous, but what does it take to be a righteous person? And it's obedience. And what, what, what are the conflicts? What are the things that we have that we struggle with? that, you know, that stop us from being obedient. And that's what we just, we just, I mean, we, just, we we just gone through. And on my note, you see some of them, I say that, you know, the measure of our obedience is how we trust in God's voice. That's the measure. Please, can you put it up? Yeah, obedience is measured by how we respond to God's voice. That's how we measure. And also, show me an obedient person, and I'll tell you a spiritual person. The second, the other one. Spiritual maturity is how straight we walk in obedience. So, if you show me somebody who is extremely spiritual, who has spiritual maturity, is how much obedient the person is. When the person is told to do this, how much he does it. You know, when, when, when you talk about righteousness, and, and, and when we're talking about the um, the, the child and and, and, the, and being good to the father. My wife went to our daughter's school yesterday, and. Um, they were going to choose subjects. Right now, they do a lot of subjects. So, they are going to choose about 10 or 12 subjects going to the next level. And ev- she was telling me on the phone when she was coming back. And she was on the phone for like 20 minutes because she was, she, I mean, and that's, that's the joy that a child brings to her to parents. And for, she, she was so excited because every teacher that they saw wanted her daughter to do his or her subjects. And the reason for that because, not only because she's, Punctual, she's responsible, but because she, God give has given her talent, and she's she's, she's, she's she's I mean she's good academically. So every teacher, to God be all the glory, because the Bible says that nothing is given to a man except it's given to him from the above. And the reason I use that example is that in the relationship that we are in, that seems like a father and mother relationship, but relationship that we are being mentored, we are being taught, we are being given something. To, what do we what can they say about us? That's the question. If anybody that is like your spiritual father, if Pastor comes now and they line everybody up and he says we should begin to write, um we should begin to write, he should begin to write something about all of us. What is he gonna write? That's, I mean that, that's the way we need to look at it. What is he gonna write? I'm not I'm not saying you know, ultimately we all ultimately we're accountable to God, you know, we are responsible for God, but he's accountable for us. So so what I'm saying is. The Bible is clear. If you read through this particular chapter, the comparison is between righteous and, wicked, and, and, and wickedness. So, for me, the opposite of wickedness is, righteous, is righteousness. Praise the Lord. We're almost done. Does anybody have any question at this point before we continue, so that I know how much time we have? Any, any question so far? Any question? Interesting. No question. All right? So the next thing we're going to be looking at is, um, and and I put in my notes, so, as I said, righteousness and wickedness. Obedience leads to righteousness, right? If you are obedient, that means you are righteous. Is that correct? If you are disobedient, that means the person is foolish. Is that correct? Are you following me? Yes, sir. So therefore, disobedience is wickedness. Show me a man that is disobedient, I'll show you a wicked person. Obedience is righteousness. And anybody that is wise will be obedient. If you are wise, you'll be obedient and you'll be righteous. If you are foolish, you'll be disobedient and you'll be wicked. Therefore, Wickedness is disobedient and is foolishness. So, just so on, on my next note, you see, there when I say that um, the only way to, I mean, to be foolish is to be disobedient, and disobedience leads to, to wickedness. And you know, wickedness without repentance can only lead to one thing destruction. Because when you read all those verses, you see that that's, that's what the Bible says. Please bring up um, verse 8, 10, and 12. These are rewards of foolishness. 8, 10, and 12. The wise in earth will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. who will not fall in the name of Jesus. He who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. We will not fall in the name of Jesus. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding but a good rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. I mean, look at that. The Bible is saying that, you know, if you are foolish and if you are not going to listen, if you are not going to be wise, rod is coming. We will not chop the rod of the Lord in the name of Jesus. We know the, the story of Nebuchadnezzar, right? You know, who went to eat grass. That's, that's rod. So what are we saying? We have to ensure that there are only two ways, righteousness or wickedness. What we've just gone through now are, you know, the rewards of, um, of foolishness. So we're going to go to the reward of righteousness. So please bring up um, 20, 16, 20, 22, 24, 25, 27. Okay, here we go. The labor of the righteous leads to life and the wages of the wicked to sin. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver and the heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him, and the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the wild wind passes by, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Now, the Bible says that the righteous will feed many. For you, you cannot give what you don't have. For you to have the ability to feed many, what does that mean? You have abundance. you might as well say that the righteous will have what? Will have abundance. By grace of God, we'll have abundance in the name of Jesus. You know, you, say, you said the tongue of the righteous is silver. I mean, you know what that means. You know that will be, your tongue will be sought after, will be sought after, meaning that your tongue will make pronouncement and it will come to pass in the name of Jesus. So, brethren, there's a choice that we have. We make, instead, we make the choice of right, which is righteousness, or we make the choice of left, which is wickedness. The only guarantee future is through righteousness. That was that's. I mean, the only way to have a guaranteed future, that our future is guaranteed. And when you talk about future, not only on the immediate earth that we are, but the, future, the, the guarantee of future in heaven, beyond, in eternity, is righteousness. There's no way around it. And you know what? That's, 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 that's the thing that is sad and difficult. Because it's free. Salvation is free. Because Christ has died for us. You know, his holiness is our righteousness. So all we need to do is just to take it for free and imbibe it. But most times the things that people see that is free, we don't take it very seriously. Longitivity. For us to have longevity, the only way for longevity is righteousness. You know, the righteousness guarantees us every form of longevity. Longevity of life, longevity of wealth, of anything that we're talking about is true righteousness. Praise the Lord. And abundance as well. Comes from righteousness based on all that we have read. Righteousness leads to abundance. I declare tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost that we will live in abundance in the name of Jesus, that we will be righteous in the name of Jesus, and that we will not go the way of the wicked in the name of Jesus. Do we have any question? Hallelujah. Yes, ma'am. Any question? That's one. Anybody else? Um, when you were listing the struggle with obedience, you didn't say the fourth one. I can't hear you, please. When you were listing the struggles with obedience, you didn't um, say the fourth one. Please, can you help me? Um, you listed
2: the how? How do, Why do we struggle with obedience? Yes. Um, you talked of conflict, pride, and fear. But you didn't say the fourth one.
0: Oh, I'm sorry if I didn't say the fourth one. I said conflict, fear, pride, and unbelief, which is when we talk about faith. Yeah, that's what we talk about. Anybody else? Anybody else? Any question? Yes, go ahead. Children are always the asking questions. Yes, ma'am. Good evening. Good evening. Is it only disobedience that leads to wickedness? Um, Good question. It's not only disobedience that is wickedness, right? But the way you have to look at it is that any actions that you do or you partake in that can be called wickedness is in disobedience to God. If you kill somebody, it's wickedness. If you steal something from somebody, it's wickedness, right? If you take what does not belong to you, it's wickedness. If you cause somebody unjustly, it's wickedness. But if you look at all that, God, okay, if you look at the Ten Commandments, for example, everything that is there, if you go against it, it's wickedness. But everything that you do is in disobedience to God, will lead to wickedness. Are you you clear? Everything that we do is, is anything that causes wickedness is in disobedience to God. Anybody else? All right, tonight we're going to bow down our head. We, we've heard what, you know, what God wants us to hear. And we understand that the righteousness of God, our righteousness is in the righteousness of Holy Ghost, of Christ, and is for free. The only way we can claim that righteousness is by accepting Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. So with all head bow and eyes closed, I want to encourage you tonight that if you don't know Lord God as your savior, you're not going to come out. All you need to do is just raise up your hand. If you are online, the instruction will be scrolling. So if I'm here tonight, I want to give my life to Christ, Usher I'll just give you a card and that's all you need. Just raise up your hand wherever that you are and we'll pray. And you accept Lord Jesus as your Christ, uh, Lord Jesus Christ as your savior. And you'll be part of the righteousness of God and of the of Christ. Father, we thank you because we have heard the word that it will impact our life in the name of Jesus. We declare that we will live in righteousness and not in wickedness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and
2: Friend. God
0: bless
2: you.